Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places you can find fine podcast content. Leave us a rating or a review. You can also connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also connect with us on Facebook, Longhorn Republic Podcast, and you can shoot us an email, Pod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's never celebrated an archery national championship harder than he has just now, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Hey, man, the tower's orange. It's all that matters. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about this, Gerald. This is this is something that's really been on my mind. Obviously, UT known as the best sports school of all time. We win uh, the little ones. We, we, we win some of the big ones. Um, but, but sometimes, you know, you just get the biggest ones, obviously, um, like, like the archery uh national championship that the ut rec sports team just brought home for 2019 gerald i have to ask you this in a very serious way who's your most famous archer could be real could be mythological um or a character who's your most famous archer i've got to go with robin hood but not just any robin hood the fox robin hood from the disney version probably low-key my favorite disney movie of all time i'm just Mm -hmm. gonna say that so yeah, I think the specifically the fox Robin Hood. I really like that. Um, okay, that's good. I mean, I, there's I wasn't sure if you were gonna go like a classic William Tell uh, or something like that. Knowing the nerd you are, I really expected like us to dive deep into a Hawkeye versus Legolas debate. Um, but you know, or, or honestly, knowing uh, knowing you giving us a Katniss uh, shout uh, here, you know, um, but. I think truly the the obvious answer, without a doubt, is Egret from Game of Thrones. I, Egret's not bad. Who's the one that shot her? Because he could also be up for it. You know nothing, Joe Goodrich. <laughs> I don't. I don't. No. So we're not here to talk about archery or fictitious archers or anything of the sort. We're here to talk some Texas Longhorn athletics. So we're going to do a quick update on the coaching search because it has been, let's be really honest, Kyle, a whole lot of nothing. So far, uh, not a whole lot of news, at least as far on the Texas front. A lot of guys that were floated out there for Texas uh, to possibly could be, you know, potential hires. Uh, Jeff Trailer hired at UTSA. Chad Morris, after being fired from Arkansas, is now the offensive coordinator at Auburn. Jeff Scott, who was the wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator at Clemson, is now at UAB. Joe Brady got an extension at LSU. And so there is quite a bit of movement elsewhere, and there hasn't really been a ton of talk tied to the Texas offensive coordinator. We all know that Graham Harrell did meet with Tom Herman, but other than that, it's been pretty radio silent. So what, like, when do you expect Texas to make a move to get an offensive coordinator in? Do you expect to see it before signing day? You know, it's 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 interesting, right? Because the, the idea of a coordinator, and I think this could be applied to both the offense um, and especially the defense, is a coordinator often gets to fill out his staff or at least gets some say and authority on that. Um, 
So you have to wonder, are they waiting until post-signing day to announce something that's either already done or something they're, they're not pushing quite as hard now as they may um, immediately after that because uh, they don't want to you know shake the ground too much under recruits' feet or lose those connections. Um, I don't think we'll see any more firings before signing day. Um, however, I, I don't think we're done with, with coaching staff transitions. When you're talking about two coordinators, that means there's a lot of trickle-down turmoil. So for offense, I mean, if, if it's quiet and Graham Harrell – He's just gone back to work recruiting for USC and smiling when he's in the building and being a professional. His dad, longtime head coach, um, you know, just knows how to be a professional. That could mean that he doesn't have anything to worry about because he's $2 million richer um, and he's going to be announced after signing day. I I, I don't know. Um, but that that right now is, is where my gut leans. And some of it could also be that, that Herman has been out on the recruiting trail. He's been making quite a few visits. We saw him uh, famously learning that you clap on the downbeat at the Duncanville game. You saw him uh, out in Arizona trying to land uh, Keeley Ringo. That's not going to happen. But you know what? If, it, if I'm wrong, I'm so, so excited to be wrong on that one. Uh, so I think some of it does have to do with the fact that Herman has been hitting the recruiting trail so hard uh, for this, this kind of last close. I don't expect too many surprises there, but I think Herman is just trying to keep this class together. And that, to me, is the, the big thing that is possibly holding news up. And like you said, I think with Graham Harrell, no news is good news because USC hasn't extended him. He hasn't been named the coach in waiting or anything like that. It's just kind of radio silence. And so when you're when all these other guys are getting hired and a guy named Graham, like Graham Harrell, who's been tied to a lot of different positions, there's no news coming out. I I'm holding out hope that that's because something's in place already. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're, we're totally aligned right there. And I mean, Hey, it's not just from a Texas perspective, maybe um, USC is really like, can we hold out Graham Harrell until after the signing day? Like I think the carousel has kind of started to creak to a close with signing day looming in just a week. Um, so or less. So I think, um, I think, you really probably will see it start to churn again right after that. So I think we, if everyone's okay, just wait a little while, you know, read a book, try to distract your mind. Um, don't, don't, uh, don't get into the online 995 or shouting matches uh, over which source is the best. If you want to read the tea leaves, like Tom Herman was at the, the Ennis Alito game because uh, Graham Harrell's dad is the coach longtime coach at, at Ennis High School. Uh, there's also a high-priority 2021 tr- uh, prospect, uh, JoJo Early, who is a pretty big-name wide receiver for 2021 that Texas really, really needs to land a local kid that if he goes out of state, I will probably set something on fire. So that's probably why Tom Herman was there uh, as well. On the defensive side, a lot of the online talk is that Chris Ash is all but inked on the paper. Again, depending on who you read or who you pay $10 a month to, could have been a Thursday interview, could have been a Friday interview, but uh, there that's the big, that's the news. There's there's not a ton of news around that. Um, Barry Odom was another guy that people have floated out there as a, as a name that they would like to see. Uh, Odom is still on the market. He was uh, initially linked to Virginia Tech, uh, but they promoted Justin Hamilton uh, to that defensive coordinator position at Virginia Tech. So a guy like Odom, who also fills that spot coaching linebackers, both he and Ash are line. Or I guess Ash is a defensive backs coach. Right. Uh, Odom is a is a linebackers coach, uh, and they could both be potentially defensive coordinators 
for Texas. Yeah, Odom, a, a guy that gets thrown around a lot. I mean, just because he he's a name that the story on him getting fired from head coach at Missouri is kind of wild because it sounds like he kind of talked himself into being fired. He, he asked for a, effectively a vote of no confidence or a vote of confidence, if you will, and they wouldn't give it to him. And then all of a sudden he started leaking things or I don't know that I don't want to get into the details of the story that I obviously haven't fully confirmed myself, but it sounds like he probably wouldn't have been fired. And then because he asked for that and didn't get it and then wasn't happy that that is why he got fired. Um, so it's a little bit tumultuous, but there's no doubt about the fact that the guy can coach about the fact that the guy is probably going to be a head coach, which again, we've talked about not a bad thing. Let our coordinators be head coaches. So, um, like I said, the biggest threat in my mind was reuniting with Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech after their success at Memphis. So, uh, I feel pretty good about Texas's chances just with either one of those, Ash uh, or Odom, coming off their head coaching stints and looking to kind of rehab um, by coming in to play some good defense. Yeah, so this is all pending. Again, something could blow up the moment we stop recording, but as we record at 8.33 p.m. on Wednesday evening, there is no news about either of these positions, and we will keep you up to date with everything that we know. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. As stuff breaks, we'll obviously have reactions to it, and then we will obviously do a podcast when the day rolls around. So we'll talk red shirts really briefly. There, there are some guys when you look at the red shirt watch, um, some guys that are that are on the cusp. Guys that we know haven't played at all this year. Darian Brown, obviously, with his uh, with his his health issues. You got Isaiah Hookfin, Tyler Johnson, both of those offensive linemen. Didn't expect uh, red shirting offensive linemen is the greatest gift you can give anyone at all. I love, I love, I love red shirting young. Offensive lineman, and on the defensive side, uh, Peter Pudgy and uh, Myron Warren, guys that haven't played at all on the defensive side. So those guys will definitely all take a red shirt year, no questions there. Don't anticipate seeing any of them to this point in the season. They've all been running scout team stuff. So the ones that we're going to look at are some of the freshmen that that are right on the cusp. And then some non-freshmen, we'll see uh, who's going on. Josh Moore is another guy that hasn't played this year. He's not a freshman, but he will likely, if he stays with the team pending his legal stuff, will uh, will obviously take a red shirt. Of the freshmen, though, we've got Jordan Whittington, who, Lord willing, in the creek don't rise, will be available to play uh, against uh, Utah in the Alamo Bowl. He's only played one game, so regardless of what happens with, with that, he will be able to redshirt uh, either way. David Benda has played in four games. Marcus Tillman has played in four games. And Kenyatta Watson, who flashed against Texas Tech, has played in four games. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's an interesting group. I think I think uh, you, you can get away with, with Marcus Tillman. He plays on special teams. Um, probably Benda. Um, Kenyatta Watson's a tough one because if you say, is it really important to get, you know, another year uh, if he is looking like your second or even third best corner? Um, it's not necessarily, well, we, we, we've talked a little about it and we'll talk quite a bit more about it, but it's not necessarily that Utah is going to eviscerate you with, with their passing game, but you still um, want to have your best players out there. So he's a guy I could definitely see, um, definitely see, playing and in burning the shirt uh, i think whittington you know with with health um looming it should should get some action should be an interesting piece we've said that uh, multiple times this year um but uh but yeah I, I i think you know i think it could be fun to see what he's got in and what he can do um against a really good utah 
defense. So um, there there are some potentials there. You, I mean, in, in theory, all four of them could play if the coaches uh, feel like there's a need. But I really see if they're monitoring this, Benda and Tillman being your candidates, obviously, uh, to, to gain the extra year. I don't necessarily see them needing these guys, especially as Texas should be healthy coming out of this bowl practice. Uh, Benda's a guy who I want to see four more years of, so hopefully they redshirt him. Uh, Watson is another guy that I think is going to be a dude. I think Kenyatta Watson is going to be, yep. he's, he's got the potential to be that lockdown corner for Texas. He shows a lot of ability to play the ball well in the air. Uh, he's able to find the ball and spot the ball really, really well. So I definitely want to see Texas get the most out of him. Now, granted, if they need him, I don't think they will. He's probably the first one off the bench. When you look at this group, he and Benda are probably like one and one a, when you think about those two groups. So the rest of the guys on the list, the the not freshman guys, we mentioned more. He's not going to rejoin the team, uh, at least until next year. Willie Tyler hasn't seen the field at all. Again, uh, Juco guy, he'll be able to um, he'll be able to redshirt another year. So hopefully he'll be able to, to put some bulk on. Uh, Gerald Wilbon, you could play him either way. Uh, Josh Thompson, not going to play for the rest of the year. Obviously, he's hurt. Uh, and then DeAndre Christmas Giles is a guy who already uh, already announced that he will be graduate transferring. He actually walked, not walked, but he ran out with the seniors on senior day. So, you know, he's going to be gone. So you'll get, you'll be able to redshirt the rest of those guys. So Texas is going to be, Texas is going to lose a couple of guys on the offensive line, a couple of guys on the defense, but Texas is going to have a lot of experience coming back next year, Kyle. And the Big 12, hopefully, fingers crossed, should be just as open as it was this year. So hopefully this bodes well for what they can do in 2020. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think Wilbon was kind of a surprising player to a lot of folks. He's a senior. Um, so if he is just able to add depth and kind of be another big behind or rotating in, even if he's able to take a step. Um, but Coburn obviously kind of carpeted that D line um and uh that was good you know it was and uh and moro jomo really made the step up i think is what held wilbon back but i certainly like having um beef in the trenches and extra uh to spare so i the the idea of prospect of redshirting him is is a a great idea um yeah like you said willie tyler you know could could really grow into his body and, and redshirting linemen is is always a always a plus so I think it's great. I think the Josh Moore situation is obviously out of the non-freshman, the most interesting one. And he's been practicing with the team um, this year. I mean, pretty much the whole year from everything I've heard um, from from reports and sources is that he's been around the team. So I think they're just hoping on a probationary period, hey, don't do anything else like that. Get your head right. All the legal stuff clears. We'll give you a second chance. We're not in the business of giving third chances, but we'll give you a second chance. Um, so I'm hoping that he can be a, a redemption, feel good story, um, taking this redshirt year and, and coming back stronger. Especially when you, you know, re- remember that you're losing two senior, um, you know, huge impact receivers in Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay. That's you know, that's a that's a good thing to have. We're just hoping that one plays out uh, for the best. And then Josh Thompson really was a, an impact player when he played. Just unfortunately was a part of that defensive backfield in the rash of injuries. Um, so, you know, great to get another year of him. Basically got the sad way because I don't think he would have registered it had he not got hurt. He would have played a lot more, probably helped our defense some, but uh, but he played all four that he could. So in some ways, you know, if you're going to get hurt, did it the best way that you could. Didn't play five and then get hurt. So another year for him. All right, so let's jump in now to what you all came here for. Favorite segment of the week. The Burn Orange Lens is we look at the world through 
the Longhorn beautifully colored burnt orange glasses. And we're starting in the NFL this week. Gerald, Quandre Diggs, Quandre the Giant, becomes the first Seahawks defensive back to record three interceptions in his first four games since Earl Thomas. Yeah, pretty good company there. Uh, pick six at that this week with his his third since arriving. Um, just looks like the real deal. Like, he could legitimately be the thing that pushes the Seahawks to whatever the next level is. Obviously, in the playoff hunt, um, or in the playoffs, but pushes them to, like, a Super Bowl level. The Seahawks were already good. I think the the big discussion in the NFL is going to be who's going to be your, your MVP. Is it Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson? So, getting that defense back to... Uh, the the upper echelon, the pinnacle. That's really what took them to the Super Bowl the first time when they should have won uh, was the the production of the defense. And now that if the defense is able to play and the offense is able to put up good numbers, that's that'll be incredible. Yeah, I'd love a you know Ravens Seahawks. Let's get some Longhorns some rings either way. Um, also in the same game uh, for the the Quandre pick six, Mally Cat, our boy Malcolm Brown, represent SCUCISD. Stand up. Um, got himself a rushing touchdown, his fourth of the season. Been a little quiet for the Rams, but still productive, earning them checks. Got to rep the countdown city. You know, it, it's that's been such a good story for me because Malcolm Brown was a guy who kind of fell in that late stage Mac Brown where it's like, ah, could have been, should have been. Same thing with Jonathan Gray, and I'm glad at least one of those two guys was able to live up to the the billing that they had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, high school American uh, made it to the NFL. That's that's the dream. He's living it. So, uh, also uh, undrafted free agent Marcus Johnson, who signed recently, uh, had his his best game of the season and, and one of his best games of his career uh, with a three catch, 105 yard performance and a touchdown for the Indianapolis Colts. So very excited to see Longhorn receivers landing uh, and getting that production at the next level. Yeah, he played with the Eagles for a little bit and then he landed with the Colts and the Colts. Uh, the Colts need some spark on offense. So it's good to see a Texas guy able to uh, to pick up the, the slack for them receiving. That's a big... Uh, that's 30-plus yards uh, reception. That's a big day. Yeah, that's that's some T.Y. Hilton-ish right there. He uh, he he might just be a, a, a cheeky waiver wire uh, fantasy football pickup if you're really feeling bold. Maybe if you're in the loser's bracket of your, of your uh, playoffs. But uh, speaking, segue, of playoffs, we're looking at Longhorn, future Longhorns in the high school football playoffs. The Texas State playoffs are littered with Longhorn soon to be Longhorn legends, um, starting with a name we're excited to say, Hudson Card. Remember him? Uh, we were a little bit worried. We originally, it was reported that his injury was was really, really serious. Um, he was able to come back in the playoffs, and boy, did he. Uh, returned against the uh, Judson Rockets, which brings me... Eh. No, no, no endless steel of joy. Um, and, and just just kind of threw the hammer down on the uh, on the Rockets. Gerald, how much did you love watching Hudson just uh, just riverboat the uh, uh, the the Judson Rock? I never I'm never mad about uh, Judson taking an L. Sorry. Shout outs to Cody Daniel. Uh, you and I as proud Clems, uh, Clemens Buffaloes. Uh, always, always good to see Judson taking L's. Yeah, absolutely, and, and Card looked like his electric self with four TDs in that one. Uh, another quarterback, Tom Herman, was there um, as we we kind of referenced in our in our 
uh, earlier show or Monday show, um, Jaquindon Jackson got the uh, got a good win over future teammate uh, Andre Carrick in the South Lake Carroll Dragons, uh, 49-35. Very, uh, very exciting for Jaquindon Jackson, a guy who you know message board trolls like to tear down, and uh, he kind of made reference of it the same way that Lamar Jackson did about, oh, I'm a running back. He said, oh, I can't throw. He didn't have an incompletion going eight for eight. 183 yards and two touchdowns in the air and rushing for, you know, 12 times and 130 yards and three scores. So um, I believe that's a stick that in your pipe and smoke it game. So 22 yards uh, completion is uh, not a bad clip for for a guy. I'm just I'm just excited that Texas is going to be able to have so much talent in that quarterback room. You've got Card, you've got Jackson coming in, you've got obviously Ellinger going to be back for 2020. You've got Roshan Johnson moving back to quarterback probably, and then maybe if Casey Thompson decides to stick around, that's a loaded quarterback room. And if both of those teams win, which um, Duncanville's probably your your favorites. Um, it'll take a little bit more for Hudson Card to make it, but if they're 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 on a collision course, Kyle, and I love a good collision course in sports. Twenty twenty one offensive tackle Hayden Connor, good friend of the show, uh, and Katie Taylor beat Cy Creek this week to set up a matchup with the Chaps. They uh, they will be taking on Westlake, and he'll get to uh, get to you know come into school with some bragging rights against his uh, future teammates. There's some chaparrales on the current Longhorns roster. It'll be, uh, again, I love seeing Texas players and, and playing in the biggest biggest games possible. Just get used to it. I like that. Get used to it. Now, back to uh, a little college football, like we, we wheelhouse here. We have bowl season upon us. Bowls officially kick off on uh, December 20th, Gerald, so we're getting close um, I believe Burn Orange Nation doesn't know this yet, but they're going to fly us out to the first game in Nassau, Bahama. No, that's I'm getting. Uh, I didn't even know he was on here, but Westcott is 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 uh, is, is is slapping me across the back of the head. No, um, the first game is December 20th in Nassau. Maybe the the same day. There's one in Frisco, Texas. Maybe we could go to that one if we really begged. But uh, they're coming coming soon, and there's a couple that we're keeping eyes upon. The uh, the most. Um, I think the the second most burnt orange game that everyone will be looking for is North Carolina playing Temple in the Military Bowl. I'm very very excited for Coach Mack. Um, I mean, they get to go to Annapolis. The guy's such a schmoozer. I'm sure he's going to have great war stories to tell his team, really motivate them. Just just can't wait for Mack. Can't wait for that one. That's on the uh, I believe that's the 27th, so right after Christmas. So. Um, Christmas come late when Mac gets himself a bull win. Mac's going to end up running for Congress, isn't he? Like, that's what's going to happen? Gosh, he would be per- – that's so, like, old school to, like, the folksy football coach from, you know, just uh, – no, you know what's going to happen? Sally's going to run for Congress, and Mac's going to be her hype hype man. Absolutely. Just just don't go the Tuberville route, and you're good to go. No, I like that. Or uh, Vince McMahon's wife. No, um, the, uh, the SMU Stangs as well playing in a bowl. They play – Florida Atlantic in the Boca Raton Bowl, and I believe that's a coachless Florida Atlantic. It's basically a home game for Florida Atlantic, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I think SMU uh, will be able to beat a team whose coach is now uh, now in Oxford. Yeah, and, and Lane Kiven was told his first day arriving to Oxford to get a burner phone coach. He's going to fit in well there. But the one thing you said, home, home field, well, I'll say two things about that, Gerald. First, home field advantage. Um, 
the Boca Raton Bowl is played December 21st. Unfortunately for the local residents, it's a little bit late, the kickoff, so you won't get the locals out there. That one's played at 3.30 p.m., so people will already be in bed uh, for the retirement community of Boca Raton. But also, um, we're uh, if it hasn't been tweeted out already by the time you're listening to this, check the Longhorn Republic pod soon to watch Shane Bouchelle listening to uh, hip-hop song about Boca Raton, or at least about the word Boca, and dancing when he found out about his bowl. Shane continues to be the dude. I, I'm always down for Shane. I will always ride for Shane. And we've got, I need so I need to get one of these Dallas shirts so I can rep next year. I, I hope he somehow finds a way to get like six extra years of eligibility and just be the all-time quarterback for SMU. And then I'll always be able to root uh, for that team. Are there any other bowls? I mean, since we're here that we're talking about that you're excited about, it doesn't have to be, I know this is a UT segment. The, the one that I'm kind of thinking about is Shreveport, Louisiana hosts the independence bowl um, and Louisiana tech, who is an opponent of the Longhorns take on Miami and Miami has not finished the season on a high note. And this could be a fighting for jobs because uh, Manny Diaz, the beloved son of Miami and former defensive coordinator of Louisiana tech. um, If he loses this one, which La Tech's pretty good. It might be another former Texas coach fired. We talked about the the little brother Red River game happening in uh, in at the Texas Bowl. Uh, the other one that I'm really looking forward to is one Notre Dame Iowa State is going to be a fun game to watch. For some reason, I feel like that will be a good time. And then I'm just excited to watch LSU drop a fifty burger on OU. Like that's always going to be fun. <laughs> that's always going to be fun television for everybody. No, I, I agree completely. I, I hope that OU like some people like you said root conference. I hope that OU loses by as bit. Like I hope they they dig in the books and find a mercy rule for like sorry guys you gave up 79 points in the first half it's over you have to you have to turn the sticks over love it every time i'm always on team run up the score that's why i'm sad that the arena football league has gone because their playoff positioning was basically all about how many points do you score in a two-game series always run up the score especially when you're playing ou that's so made for steve spurrier no the other game that i'm excited about the holiday bowl features usc versus iowa which is going to be confusing for iowa if usc wears their red uniforms because they look exactly like iowa state and iowa may think it's the rivalry game in the bowl game. So I'm hoping for a little confusion uh, in San Diego uh, there. Um, other than that, I think there's a lot of good football. Gosh, I love bowl season. Uh, I will be doing some some picks on there. If you really have some questions about games, uh, tweet at me uh, or tweet at the show with the replies of Texas. We can, uh, we can help you out, especially if they have a Longhorn burnt orange tinge. To them. Can we talk about how the Lending Tree Bowl is on January 6th? Like, why is that a thing? Uh, you know, I don't know. I will say, I will say that I don't know. But, I mean, January 4th is the Armed Forces Bowl, um, which is not a highly, you know, acclaimed bowl either Tulane versus Southern Miss. But, yeah, the, the, the last game before the uh, before the playoffs, which is which is why or i guess the the, the semifinal uh, of the playoffs is the lending tree bowl that's that might be the weirdest one you're right um it is a monday as well i i don't know i guess they had to squeeze it squeeze it in to get the miami of ohio uh the red hawks uh get them in there yeah the fighting ben roethlisberger's well a friend of the show joe hamilton and louisiana region cajuns having a heck of a year that's why i noticed that that was there but like 
December 31st used to be the cutoff, right? Like New yeah. Year's Eve, New Year's Six used to be the thing. And now they're, they're just so – there are too many bowls. Like I'm an old person. There are way too many bowls. But what the heck ever. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. And you can tweet – at me and remind me um, about how Gerald skipped over good friend of the university, Chiaka Bogu, earning gold in the uh, FIVB Women's Club World Championship this weekend. Gerald, why do you hate the women alumni of the University of Texas? Kyle, as the internet's foremost Cat Osterman stand, you can shut your mouth. You can follow me on Twitter, standing Cat Osterman at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook em. Hook em. It was Billy Ocean. Carrying your queen.